I'm, I'm grieving. I'm very much grieving, um, but I'm also surviving and I'm hopeful. From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. Today, we're bringing you the first in a series of Women Rule live events on how women-led businesses are pivoting amidst the coronavirus pandemic. The voice you heard at the beginning was Deanna Dorsey, the owner and designer behind District of Clothing, a Washington, D.C.-based clothing brand. And this is Teresa Carlson, the vice president of Worldwide Public Sector at Amazon Web Services, a company that's been even more important than usual as businesses and government rely on the internet while employees stay home and in-person stores shutter during the pandemic. My teams were busy 24-7, really helping the customers create and build a quick, scalable applications. And I would tell you the interesting thing, my entire team and I feel, and our customers, we've innovated with them more in the last two or three months than we have in three years. I spoke with Teresa and Diana on Wednesday in a Zoom call that touched on everything from the coronavirus to the killing of George Floyd, and how all of that is reverberating through both business and everyday life. Both of them are concerned by the very real human costs of all of that, but also see reason for hope. And now, here's my conversation with Teresa Carlson and Diana Dorsey. I wanted to take a step back and just kind of look at what's happening around the world. We've yeah. seen more than 30 cities put in place curfews this week to try and stop the looting and violence that has come out of frustration for the police killing of George Floyd. Can you talk a little bit about how Amazon has responded and your reaction to what's happening around the country? Yeah, thank you for that. I think it is important to start our conversation that way. And the inequitable and brutal treatment of black people in our country, really, it really must stop. And we stand at Amazon AWS in solidarity with our black community, our employees, our customers, and our partners to fight against this systematic racism and injustice. And today at Amazon, we actually announced that we're going to donate $10 million to organizations that are working to bring social justice, improve the lives of Black and African Americans. And the recipients that we're selecting for this, we worked with our uh, Amazon Black Employee Network, and they were included to help us focus on groups that we would choose to fight this systematic racism through the legal system and those that are dedicated to expanding educational and economic opportunities for the black communities. So it's one of our ways, uh, and that will go to a variety of different groups, Anna. Well, that's great. Um, you are founder of the worldwide services sector at uh, AWS. I'm, I'm sure our audience is very familiar with Amazon, particularly with everybody stuck at home and sheltering in place. Uh, but can you give us the kind of 30 second explainer about what AWS is and what your role is at the company? Sure, sure. So I run a group, Anna, called Worldwide Public Sector. And in that is anything around the world that's a government organization an educational institution, or a not-for-profit organization, along with the partner community that we would support. So defense system integrators, educational tech companies, gov tech companies. So that, that's kind of the organization that we support around the world. And um, AWS is a company. We're a part of Amazon, and we launched in 2006. 
And after over a decade of building and running Amazon.com, we realized on the infrastructure side, we realized that we had developed this amazing core competency in operating massive scale technology infrastructure in these data centers that we call cloud, you know, cloud regions today. And we embarked on a much broader mission to serve customer segments. And we started really with individual developers and small businesses, startups, uh, with web services so they could build and use sophisticated and scalable tooling for their applications. And then four years later, they hired me. Uh, Andy and Jeff hired me to come and build our public sector business worldwide. And we started uh, my business originally, we really focused on the U.S. federal government. And in addition to all the amazing Amazon leadership principles, in my business, we talked about two additional things. We talked about paving the way for disruptive innovation to make the world a better place through the solutions that we could drive and helping governments and educational institutions become truly a digital uh, entity, a digital country. Sometimes we'll even talk about when we go into a new country or state. And I started with a very small team in Northern Virginia. um, And that was so much fun. It's gone by so fast. And now I have teams around the world and thousands, hundreds of thousands of customers in uh, over 170 countries. So that's grown a lot. And the one other point I would make, Anna, is we didn't get a lot of attention In fact, most people didn't even know what cloud computing was. And then they began to take notice. We won a contract with the Central Intelligence Agency in 2013. And that's really when people began to say, wow, if they can work uh, for the intelligence community and build these massive scalable tools and solutions, maybe we can work with them as well. So it's been a real honor to work and build this business up to this point. I remember when that happened and it kind of shook uh, the tech industry and certainly in Washington, people really took notice. As you mentioned, you work a lot with big government institutions, but also nonprofits. What impact have you seen on them with COVID-19 and and their ability to kind of pivot during the pandemic? Well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of perspective. Because I shared, I run a global team. We actually saw COVID hit, of course, in Asia pretty early in January. And I have a disaster management response team that we kind of enacted to say, what can we be doing? So we got a, a bird's eye view of trying to figure out early on what was kind of happening. And then we started seeing it moving. And then it came, of course, to the U.S. And what changed very quickly was that uh, citizens, individuals expected uh, the same world-class services that they were getting from a Netflix streaming online or an online shopping experience because they needed to connect with their government entity. So like no time before, Anna, they were tuning in, still are, two and three times a day to hear what their government's telling them about reopenings and the rules that they need to play by and what's going on economically. So we did see the government start acting very quickly. My business for sure did not slow down. My teams were busy 24-7, really helping the customers create and build quick, scalable applications. And I would tell you the interesting thing, governments were already moving, but I, uh, I would say my entire team and I feel and our customers, we've innovated with them more in the last two or three months than we have in three years. I mean, it's, it's amazing how quickly that they have been moving uh, to, to build services up so that they can interact and provide the services that the citizens uh, need. Has it changed how 
AWS does business itself? No, um, I, I think what happened is we we have so many government customers we work with already in educational institutions, but the ones that were moving a little bit slower just sped up. So <laughs> our ability, uh, if you if you take COVID away, why have people moved to cloud computing? It's because of agility, speed, scale, and reliability, security, and cost savings. So those are things that you get packaged up with cloud computing. So while we saw customers, governments have, you know, large systems that are, they've had for a long time, all of a sudden, many of these systems needed updating and modernizing, like systems to to pay unemployment claims or systems that just call in a connect call center that answers the basic questions from customers, citizens. So, Anna, if you think today, most call centers that you dial into are very centralized or in one place. With the cloud, you can have a decentralized virtual call center from anywhere, just like what you and I are doing. You can train the individuals, set them up quickly, and have simultaneously many, many calls being answered, along with digitizing those in a way to answer the less critical ones through automation and chatbots. And, and then spend your time with the most critical calls with that human touch. And it gives you a series of algorithms through machine learning. So you're also understanding in real time what's happening, who's calling, how many calls, what types of calls. So it's those types of things that we were seeing quickly needed, uh, needing to be stood up and being you know, responsive to citizens, to customers. It's so interesting because I deal a lot with the U.S. government and and have covered some international issues, but governments rarely move fast. And you're talking kind of about how COVID has changed that. You know, how how do you think that that has transpired? Is it just because they, the, the sheer need to move fast to get information to people? Well, there's a couple of reasons. You know, there are, I will say, many public sector entities, government agencies just doing amazing things uh, today already with cloud and our thought leaders and what they're doing, uh, like our customer in the intelligence community and, and many, many others. But I would say for this particular crisis that we were in, they didn't really have any other choice because if you can't get individuals out to a data center or into a federal agency or a state agency, you need to be able to operate and scale securely your systems. And that is another reason why, when I kind of shared with you earlier how we started, if you think about an individual developer or small startup, they can literally work in their home and start a business. They don't need a data center. They can, they use a cloud. They use the cloud to build that infrastructure and that application tooling as building blocks to create. And so you can do that not only for small businesses and startups, you can do that at massive, massive scale for large global enterprises and governments. So when they couldn't get into those government agencies, buildings, or data centers, they quickly turned to cloud-based solutions so that they can move out very quickly. Well, I want to get into your personal story, but before I do, one of the things Women Rule has really focused on a lot uh, over the last several months with COVID-19 is looking at women leaders around the world. And certainly there is a number of women leaders at, in different countries and their response has, has led to, you know, less deaths, less infections. I wanted to get your sense when you're dealing with this, have you noticed any difference between 
you know, male or female leaders around the world, either, you know, kind of related to COVID, but just more generally in terms of being willing to adapt and kind of move fast on some of these issues? I would tell you, we have been so busy, like 24 seven, uh, interacting, acting and reacting that I would say, I, I felt this was a time when we saw kind of equity across the board of every, of government leaders, many really trying to be as responsive. What I would say for female leaders, because for, for people who know me, the whole time I've been at Amazon and prior, whenever I go around the world, I gather the most amazing, important women I can find. And you and I chatted about, we met at the equity uh, lounge uh, in Davos. And that is some amazing women there that, that we met. And there are so many amazing women that I find that are not um, always coming together. And Mm -hmm. I think just coming together in a time like this and sharing our experiences, the best practices, the things we've learned, we can do that a lot better as women. And to your point, as women rule, we need to rule by sharing those things and really learning so that each of us can force multiply ourselves around the world from those experiences and I think that's where uh, you see that kind of coming out, even in this crisis, but many other crises, that when we come together, you know, we multitask really well, we're pretty cool headed, we get things done. And uh, I think we can see around the corners pretty well. So all those benefit us when it comes to working in a crisis situation. Well, let's take a step back. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? I am from Kentucky, uh, a small town called Nancy, Kentucky. It's a beautiful place in the bluegrass. And I actually went back there and spent five weeks during uh, the COVID crisis and worked from a little cottage on a horse farm. That was nice because I could get out and walk around and I'm back in my apartment. And sometimes I feel, you know, I need to walk outside and, and see the horses. Um, so I, I grew up there. My parents were both teachers. My dad was a basketball coach, which, as you can imagine, was a big deal in Kentucky. <laughs> um, I have an, a master's and an a undergraduate in speech and language pathology and worked in that for some years and then did a complete shift of a career uh, into technology. And I will share, you know, a lot of women ask me about a career shift, and I tell them, it's possible. I had two children at the time uh, when I made that career shift and I loved what I did, but I found a career that I even love and adore more. And I wake up every day excited to do. So I always try to tell women, you know, look, it's never too late to make a career job. Uh, And you can learn. Learning is online. It's a, I mean, it, it is so possible, I think for women if they're not, you know, happy or want to make a career shift, it's never too late. And technology is a great place for women because we have so many job openings. And it's not just about a hard coder or engineer. I run a global business uh, and we need women in every possible uh, job area that we have from marketing to finance, to operations, to sales, to technical, to program management to PR and communications. So it's a great place and it's a challenging, you know, environment because you get to learn about the technology and be able to explain it and impart that uh, as, and heaven knows we're all digital today. Look at us, we're doing this from our (laughs) homes and it's, and it's working. 
Well, I want to ask you kind of two questions on that on that side of things. First of all, you you've been at Amazon for a, a long time, or AWS. Um, do you have any advice for women in our community about how to navigate a company that's growing so quickly to make sure that you're growing with yeah. it? That you know, I mean, I think that is one of the issues and kind of concerns that that women face. I I do. I I will I will share. I've been at Amazon a little over 10 years and I was at Microsoft almost 10 years before that. And uh, so I I have spent now almost 20 years kind of in a corporate environment, but but I laugh because I I say I've spent those years avoiding being at corporate headquarters because <laughs> my motivation is with my customers. So I want to, you know, be out in the field with my team and my customers. But I think for women, one of the things I do like to share, uh, Anna, is they have a voice and they have a great voice, a smart voice and a voice that should be heard. So uh, anytime they have the opportunity to have a seat at the table, they need to make sure that they have a voice at the table and speak up. And also women will share with me sometimes they, they feel uncomfortable, you know, bringing the topic up or how do they, how do they begin that Mm -hmm. conversation? And I also like to tell them you're going to stumble. Like you have to build that muscle up. It's not always going to go well. And in the technology community, we don't have enough women. So I am in a community that is still pretty male dominated. Uh, So, you know, you have to navigate that and you have to build a muscle to have the voice to be heard. Um, and I like I like the idea of also women coming together to amplify each other's voice and to practice those skills. And for young women that I do mentor, I, I tell them all the time, look, uh, if you find the whole fill it, like if you see an opportunity in the business to make a difference, don't wait for someone to tell you. And I would share with you, that's really one of the ways I built my career. I would take on jobs that nobody told me to. And, and I also tell women, write your own job description and take it to your manager and tell them, I can do this and here's why. And then one last thing I, would, I really want to share is that I, I would like to see women apply for those jobs that they say that they don't have the skills for on paper, but they know they can do those skills. Because I often see even inside of Amazon, women who want to go for a different job will say, but I've never done that thing that's written down. And I'm like, but can you do that? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you should apply. And you go and explain crisply and concisely why. You have to sell yourself as well. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you have the confidence and you know you can do it. So I really love to see women take on things they they actually never thought they could do. And I think part of that for me is being a speech and language pathologist and into technology. I think anything's possible for women. And I'm from a little small town. So I tell them like (laughs) anything's possible if you like have the grit and you get in there and you're curious and you want to learn and, um, and you're not afraid to fail because failure is always a part of learning. And if you take those failures each day and say, what did I learn from that? Okay. Not going to do that again. Uh, And build that muscle as you go along. It, it, it does work. I'm not going to say there's not bumps in the road. There are, of course, but it is very possible. I appreciate the the small town girl. I grew up in a small town in North Dakota of 600 people. So oh, we, wow. we have a bond there. <laughs> we definitely do. We definitely do. <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask you one more question because you kind of mentioned it a couple times. I mean, tech, obviously very male dominated. You spent 20 years of your life as a woman in that industry, you're considered in Washington, one of the most powerful women in tech. 
Can you talk a little bit about what you think still needs to change and, and why it's, it, it's, it's lagged so long, even though it, this is, you know, not the first conversation or, you know, this has been going on for many years that mm-hmm. there needs to be more women in tech. Um, there's a couple of areas that I see, especially in the technology industry for startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, there's still not enough women being funded with their great ideas. So one is we need to, we need to fund more female founders. That's kind of just one period because they have amazing ideas. And I work with so many amazing companies right now. Ellison Ann, the CEO of Invel, who started that out of NSA. Tiffany Gates, who is the CEO of Noveta, an amazing technology company. McLean, who everyone loves here that started Union Market. She's not tech, but I, uh, she has to have a lot of technology to just do what she does. I have so many amazing female friends and founders, but they're still not enough is the problem. So one is just making sure we're funding those females and we're supporting those females, just like we would any male founder. Uh, The second area I see, Anna, is there's still not enough women in leadership roles. And I found even at Amazon, until I had a great HR leader to help me understand my numbers, like data is so important. And even as a leader, I have, I, run, I have, you know, a lot of people now, I want to make sure diversity and inclusion is something I'm always thinking about and looking out and planning for with myself and my entire leadership team. But if you don't know your own data, it's hard to do that. So starting with making sure that you understand the data in your organization and you're being planful and how you're doing that and thinking about it and asking questions. And I wanted to share on the leadership side, uh, when I even work in the Middle East, working around the world, one of the things I noticed in the Middle East, as an example, is over 60% of the technology workers doing the coding and developing in places like Saudi and Bahrain are women, they're females. The problem is they're not in leadership positions, many of them. So there's a leadership gap still. So, so one, make sure we're funding more. Two, make sure more women are getting into leadership roles and positions. And thirdly, ensuring once you're there that you pull more diversity and other women along. It is so important that we pull up other women into what we're doing and make sure that we give them strong sponsorship, strong feedback, and give them roles and responsibilities to not excel in, but also to challenge them in so that they can demonstrate they can do more. Teresa, unfortunately, we are out of time. I could keep talking about this. I really appreciated the concrete kind of uh, topic areas of where we can improve and things that have worked for you in your career. So I just want to say we appreciate you joining us this afternoon. I hope you stay safe and healthy. Uh, Thank you. Next up, I'm thankful that uh, Deanna Dorsey, owner and designer of District of Clothing, is joining us to discuss how she's keeping her small business afloat during the pandemic and how the fallout from the protests over the killing of George Floyd is impacting her Washington, D.C.-based clothing brand. Deanna, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I I want to start with the protests because obviously it's on top of mind for for all of us. Uh, They're continuing across the country as people are outraged over uh, the killing of um, George Floyd. Can you talk about how you're processing what's going on and and from your perspective? 
Yeah, I would have to say that what's top of mind for me is not the protests. It's the it's the death and the murder of George Floyd. I'm still um, I get emotional just thinking about it. Today's sort of my first day working. Um, I haven't really engaged with anyone outside of family and very close friends. Um, I haven't been ready to post on social media just yet. Um, I. I'm, I'm grieving. I'm very much grieving, um, but I'm also surviving and I'm hopeful. Um, I am very much encouraged by the protest. I um, am very much encouraged by the messages that I have been receiving. I promise that I will respond. I just haven't been able to just yet. Um, and I'm, I'm ready to get back to work. It's not that I've stopped. I just needed a moment to pause and to breathe and to um, fill my own glass so that I could pour into my family and my my community as well. Well, I wanna thank you just on behalf of myself, but also just the Women Rule community that you've been a part of for a long time for, for coming on today. I know obviously it's a super emotional time. Everyone's processing it and, and from all different perspectives. And so uh, I just really wanted to say, I, I do appreciate it. I know it's a, it's a really tough time. Um, but I, one of the things that I really wanted you to come on for is because I, it's, you know, women and small business uh, kind of dealing with COVID, dealing now with looting, dealing with all kinds of issues that are unfortunately happening um, right now. I, I wanted to talk about your business and, and what you've done because entrepreneurship is such a big part of women rule. And I love the fact that you actually, I think, launched your uh, brand five years ago at a women rule summit in December and celebrated your five year anniversary in December with us. So for those of, of our audience who aren't familiar, can you tell us what District of Clothing is? Yeah, we are a black and woman owned lifestyle brand. We encourage progression. We um, believe in support and self-love, and we hope that we are inspiring action. And um, we believe that our community is very much an extension um, and as well as an inspiration for us. And it was such an honor to be um, invited initially to to Women Rule, and I've been so incredibly um, appreciative of your support, your ongoing and continued support. And being back there this past December was it was it was such a delight, and it was also very encouraging. I think um, oftentimes as women, especially women in business and entrepreneurs, we just kind of keep going. And it was a great moment for me to sort of um, pause and reflect and to um, see the growth. You know, oftentimes you don't really see or pay attention to the growth. Um, and it was, um, it was really just truly a delight. I love that. I, it's funny, you know, we, I agree with you. I think as women, we kind of head down, you're trying to get through the day. You have so many other things and just trying to grow and, and build, you know, whether it's a business or your career. And I love the summit personally, because I do think it's that one of those moments where you can step back and say, wow, we have all these women coming together, whether it's in the marketplace or on stage, or just our community uh, and really see what we've built over the last, you know, seven plus years. Uh, so many small businesses and, and businesses in general are struggling um, during the coronavirus. People have had to shelter in place. People don't feel safe shopping. There's different reopening rules happening. 
your other business, Deanna Dorsey Designs, hit a rough patch uh, in the beginning of the pandemic. But I love that you have kind of this like COVID silver lining where district clothing has actually thrived. Can you talk about your, I, I think you called it in an interview, pandemic pivot, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, my pandemic pivot. So I'd say it was probably early to mid-March. I started to notice I probably had um, initially it was like 25%, then very quickly on to 50%, and then just smack dab a 75% decrease in um, client communication and requests. And um, I was also dealing with, like everyone else, I was very worried. I was very scared. I did not always have a sense of peace within me. And I felt like I needed not just to pivot for professional reasons, but I needed to be I needed to remain productive um, so that I could also find a sense of peace. And I knew that I wanted to continue helping um, in one way or another. And I also needed to make sure that I was still bringing an in income. And so um, initially I wasn't totally sure what to do. And um, I gave myself a little bit of grace, gave myself a, a couple of moments and, you know, a couple of days to think about what I should do. And um, I think oftentimes with myself, I can tell a client, what they need to do in a heartbeat. I can write an email, you know, with my eyes closed, but it's very challenging for me to take that information in with my own brand, with my, my side hustle district of clothing. And, uh, once I kind of flipped the switch and realized that, okay, the same thing you're telling your other clients or that you would tell your other clients, you need to do that here. So initially the first thing that, that I did was sort of change my social media strategy and um, instead of posting occasional photos of our community members wearing our items, I and, and also our encouraging messages, um, I started using brighter backgrounds for all of our messages. And everything was COVID-19 related in one way or another. So I think the very first post was um, talking about Isaac Newton and how he discovered the theory of gravity during the pandemic that was happening at that time. I think it was the 1600s, excuse me for not fully remembering. Um, and then I started talking about flattening the curve and of course, washing your hands and social distancing. Um, and I wanted to be a, a source, you know, a positive source of um, re resource for my community. And this was very much reflective of what I also needed. Um, at this time, I think everyone was just focused on kind of what do I need or what are we supposed to do and what is happening? And um, that was the initial kind of pivot, I would say. Um, later on, from a social media perspective, I upped my um, ad buys on Facebook tremendously, which helped out quite a bit. And then I realized, okay, I can't you know, stay in this very serious mode all day long. It's going to drive me crazy. And I was just kind of posting social media posts about, you know, what was happening in my house. Like why no one's going anywhere. Why do we have this much laundry? There must be another person who lives here. So just trying to, um, you know, while this is very much a very intense and serious matter, but also wanting to, and needing to have, like have a moment of release and a little comic, you know, release from, from every once in a while. Um, next thing I did was it took me about two weeks, honestly, because I just wasn't very clear headed. Um, and I wasn't confident in my ability to, to totally relay what I needed to say. And, and I also was, you know, again, this is like late March, early April, things were happening, 
you know, we, the news cycle was just coming so quickly. It was hard to keep up with everything. And so, um, I eventually wrote an email, very vulnerable, very honest, letting people know that, you know, in the third and fourth quarter of 2019, this is not what I was planning for, for 2020. Um, but here we are shared with them about our team. Um, our, we have a very small team that helps with fulfillment, but, um, just sharing with them about how folks have lost jobs and how they weren't able to be paid any longer and how this was just a really challenging time. Um, as a result of that, uh, we got an incredible response. It was just people were saying like, I, I'm right there with you. I feel the same way. Thank you for being so open and transparent. Um, I released a clothing line, a, a new collection called Common Purpose, which um, I had initially planned to launch in August or September of 2020 to encourage folks to vote in the presidential election. And um, while I was kind of debating on whether or not to launch it, I, I said to myself, OK, I'm constantly encouraging our community to not just dream, but to also do. Um, this is something that I need to do. There's no time like the present. There's no time like now. And, you know, we really have a common purpose of, of needing to be socially distant and to wear masks and to care for one another. Let's launch common purpose and let's also launch it in a way that it can be supported to folks as a result of COVID-19. Um, so proceeds from a portion of the proceeds from the common purpose collection goes to the world central kitchen, which is fed over. And I haven't checked in a day or so, but I think we've fed over 10 to 12 million um, healthy meals to, to actual people, which is um, it's been it's it's just been um, it feels good to be able to do something during this time. I feel like there's a lot of strong takeaways from kind of how you approach that from, you know, kind of not ignoring what was happening in the world to, you know, being pretty real. I think that's one of the things that we're all kind of struggling with, right? It's, you know, Instagram and oftentimes social media is just like the beautiful clothes or the beautiful meals or different things and kind of bringing a little bit more of yourself into the product. And then also, you know, the concept of really launching and, and, and taking common purpose into that next level of actually kind of looking forward. Um, we got an audience question uh, earlier today, and I want to, I, I think you're very well uh, poised to answer it, which is the question was, you know, for other women with small businesses, what's one lesson you have learned through this experience that maybe you can share? I, um, I think that Personally, I, you know, I, th I, th I really think that the number one thing is that if something comes to you, it, it is your idea because you have the ability to bring it to fruition and um, you don't have to have things perfect. You don't, you know, perfection is just the enemy of all things. Um, if something comes to you, like go for it, reach out, you know, take that step. Um, I think I, I know that. I believe that all women know that, but I think I have to remind myself to do that every single day. Um, in the last two months for April and May, they've been the best selling months I've ever had for District of Clothing in our last five years. I never would have thought that that would have happened, but I would um, encourage anyone listening, you know, older women, women my age, I just turned 40 a couple of weeks ago, and even younger women, um, that if something comes to you, if you have this idea, I think you should go for it. 
Um, we don't know what is coming ahead, but we know something is coming ahead. And it perhaps could be you on this podcast the next time around, encouraging another, you know, younger woman to that, whatever the idea is that they, they should be moving forward with it. Um, I would also say that you have to give yourself grace. You know, we are all human. We're dealing with, I don't, you know, this is like, who, how do we even describe what's happening? Like, you know, I keep saying what a time to be alive. It's just, we can't find toilet paper. Like who, you know, this, this is, it's such a wild time. Um, just give yourself grace. There would be days where I couldn't post for three to four days and I would let people know, like, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I needed a break or, um, being very honest and direct with folks and just saying like, we have a very small team, I don't know exactly when you're going to get your item. I know normally you would get your item in two to four days. That's not going to happen right now. Everyone has been so incredibly kind and compassionate and understanding and welcoming. Um, so I just would say for you to be um, encouraged to move forward. You know, your step does not have to be a huge leap forward. It can be like a baby step forward, backwards and forward. Just take that step and then to give yourself grace during this time. Well, yesterday was Blackout Tuesday, uh, which a lot of people took time away from social media or use social media to promote uh, different Black-owned businesses or kind of educating themselves on racism and, and, and different things like that. I wanted to let our you know viewers now, but also for our listeners when this goes up onto a podcast know, how can they find you? And then I don't know if you have one or two others. This is a, I'm springing this on you, but are there other women-owned small businesses, um, Black women-owned small businesses that you might uh, kind of want to promote right now and, and, you know, point our listeners and viewers to? Yeah, absolutely. I um, can be found online at districtofclothing.com. That's D-I-S-T-R-I-C-T of clothing.com. Um, that's our same handle on Instagram at district of clothing. You can find me also. I'm at Deanna Dorsey on all social media handles, D-I-O-N-N-A-D-O-R-S-E-Y. And, um, First that comes to mind is Misho Beauty, which is um, non-toxic uh, fingernail polish. It's a beauty line. They're um, available online, I believe, at Misho, M-I-S-C-H-O, beauty.com. And then also Yenny Baby, which is a Washington, D.C.-based um, children's line. Um, and these are both created and hosted by Black women. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Unfortunately, our time here is quickly coming to a close, but I want to thank Teresa Carlson, who joined earlier, and Deanna, obviously, of District of Clothing for joining me today for a powerful conversation about women and small business during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another Women Rule Conversation with author Curtis Sittenfield, who recently published the book, Rodham. You can stay tuned for more details on that. But otherwise, please have a great rest of your afternoon and stay safe and healthy. Thanks for having me. Women Rule is produced by Zach Stanton. Irene Noguchi is the executive producer of Politico Audio. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And please share our episodes on social media and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at apalmerdc. You can also join the Women Rule community by texting WOMEN to 66866.